Okay. Uh, it's entirely possible we are now live. Yep, here we are. So welcome to Dojo U Live, everyone. I'm here with Carl Donnelly, my illustrious co-host. Actually on time this week. Fabulous. I was not late last week either. Thank you, Andrew. Um, well, I mean, you kind of kind of were, but it's cool. Uh, here for the start of the show. That's all that counts. It's, uh, it's your word against mine. So, uh, or, or you could just watch the recording, and I suppose maybe you're okay. kind of on time. So, um, <laughs> Dojo U Live, right? What we're doing here is we're going to critique recordings that our students have sent in uh, throughout the week. So, uh, each week we have a mission. We'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, but, a uh, quick public service announcement we've recently added a couple ginormously huge significant upgrades to dojo university and i'm not going to do a sales pitch right now i want to bad i want i feel i i'm itching to give a sales pitch but i'm not going to but what i will say is uh we've released an orientation free mini course so if you go to dojouniversity.com you'll see it right there and if anybody is out there watching this video that's interested in uh, some of the huge changes we've made that um, I think are going to help people become better pipers, uh, way even better than we have been before. Uh, check out that orientation, totally free, uh, and you can see all the features of Dojo University at work, rocking and rolling, kicking butt. Um, so anyway, welcome. So Dojo U Live. We have a bunch of uh, cool features at Dojo U, but. Uh, one of the things that we need is something for all of our students to shoot for on a regular basis uh, so that we can put our performance skills to the test, see how we're improving over time, and uh, you know maybe put a little bit of pressure on people a little bit too because so much of what bagpiping is about <clears throat> is uh, being able to produce something under pressure in front of an audience or a judge or something like that. So as people develop their skills on our website each and every day, that's where these checkpoints are gonna come in to sort of showcase what we've learned. Each week we offer up a little mission. Now over on my screen here, you could see this week's mission. This week we're uh, finishing up the 25th KOSB's farewell to Mirut. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but uh, we learned the first two parts last week and we did critiques. Now we're doing the second half of the tune this week and we'll, we'll critique how the third and fourth parts sound, various recordings that students have sent in. Um, they have uh, certain fundamentals we're asking them to focus specifically on, which is pretty cool. Uh, we also have daily doses on our website, uh, daily uh, mini exercises that uh, people can use to develop their technique. They should do as many of those as they can each day. And then before Thursday, September 6th, it's, it's not true. It should say September 13th, shouldn't it? Uh, there you go. That's the kind of operation we run around here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but they are to record the second set of two parts of, you know what I mean, 25th KOSBs. There you go. Uh, that's it. That's the mission. I, um, who updates this? They should be fired. Oh, crap. It's me. Damn it. Um, so uh, <clears throat> there you go. That's, that's the uh, kind of operation we run here at Dojo U. So everyone should, should sign up. But um, anyway... We have a special way of critiquing, which we can talk more about after the first critique. 
and talk a little bit more about it. So Carl, do we have one queued up? And then if we do, who's doing the first one? Am I on the first one this week? I'll do the, I think you did the first one last week, so I'll do this one this week. So here we go. Here is Jennifer. And so, Andrew, you're doing color, and here we go. Right, color. enjoyed that for sure um i can't say with any certainty what carl's gonna think but uh but all the all of the main categories are really good uh let's go through what some of those categories are uh for purposes of our listening audience and uh carl can uh go through them in a bit more detail with our actual scoring rubric so uh, at the dojo, we teach objective fundamentals to the students. So one of the things that um, we believe here at the dojo, and it's, it guides the way that we teach, is that bagpiping can be, uh, you know, can be and should be reduced down to some of the basic musical fundamentals that we focus on. Okay, uh, so when Jennifer, like other people, send in a recording for critique, they get graded. And we have like a little numerical grading rubric that we use to keep things consistent so people can really see sort of conceptually if they're improving over time. Uh, once they have numerical scores that reflect the quality of each of the fundamentals, they are combined to form a final finger work score, an instrument score, and from there we tabulate the final score. So we'll see that in just a second. So what are we adjudicating? Well, we're adjudicating stuff like one of the objective fundamentals we talk about is what we call scale navigation. but you know, we all work on this regardless of whether or not you call it scale navigation because what it means is no crossing noises, right? We also evaluate basic rhythmic skills and accuracy to the beat. That's why most of the recordings that you hear sent in have the audible metronome 
in the recording is because we're evaluating whether or not the player is able to actually play things like G grace notes or embellishments or, or certain note combinations exactly when they're intended to be played, right? We, we have to be able to fit our melody and, and everything that we're doing into that groove, uh, especially in, particularly in light music, that's usually what we're evaluating. We have to be able to do that for anything else to matter. Uh, we evaluate uh, grace note quality. Um, exactly how should our grace notes be played to produce the best musical effect? Embellishment quality. Uh, a lot of this stuff is pretty self-explanatory uh, to most pipers who have been playing even a little while. Uh, ALAP ASAP is a <clears throat> dynamic technique that bagpipers use to simulate dynamics, and, and we talk about that quite a bit at the dojo, and needless to say, a performance like this, where there's lots of dot cuts that are uh, essential to making this tune go well, uh, we need to make sure that we're maximizing the contrast and showing as much uh, musicality as we can. Uh, physical and mental uh, intonation, right? How, how steadily can you blow your instrument, okay? Um, and there's two different, you know, there's two different dimensions to that. There's the physical mechanic side of steady blowing. And then there's also that, you know, that other side where you get to that difficult passage of a tune and suddenly all your drones shut off because you're blowing so hard because the tune got really difficult to play. Well, that would, of course, be a mental, like, blowing thing that we need to work out. And then finally, uh, we evaluate the students on their ability to tune their pipes as well. Of course, tuning is, uh, you know, a pretty important aspect of any performance uh, in, in order for it to go well. So, I don't know. There you go. So, what we have here is a score from Carl. Alrighty, so I'll just walk through this score here quickly, and it sounds like Jen is not here today, but she'll be checking out the recording, so that's excellent. Thank you for the recording, Jen. Um, so, <clears throat> well, this was a really strong performance as all. Well. I mean, uh, overall, we, we started with a nice, um, you know, pretty well-in-tune bagpipe there, and, and really pleasant to listen to as a whole. However, on the tonal quality, I'm sort of working in reverse order here, but... Um, as far as to uh, tonal quality, it was pretty good, but there's definitely some underblowing going on here. Maybe not consistently hitting the sweet spot, or that could be a little bit of a mental blowing error. Going up to the high Gs, for example, there was lots of movement. So is that a function of going to the high G, like a mental little error there, or is that just consistent underblowing um, that can be... Uh, caused by a number of things. So watch out for that. We might need to just, and, and that's sort of my guess, we need to just bring up the pressure overall a bit there. We'll get a little bit more richness from that channer. Um, but pretty good there uh, for the toning and tuning. So now going back up to the top, um, one of the, the larger problems in this recording for me was lots of little crossing noises and little like catches, little pops sneaking in there. Um, and also some grace note sync errors, um, where the grace note was not falling exactly between two notes, but rather a little before or after, and so you get that little extra noise in there. Um, that was combined occasionally um, in, into a crossing noise. For example, um, there was the D grace note to C there, in the ending phrase, that uh, got a big crossing noise in there, and that's so that's a little bit of the grace note itself causing the trouble and a crossing noise 
coupled with that. I thought rhythmic accuracy and grace note, um, sorry, and embellishment quality were pretty good. Um, embellishment quality, just watch out for those doublings a little bit, not as consistent. We're not hearing the steps come through as much as we'd like. Um, and dot cut consistency, I thought was one of the stronger points here. And um, we had pretty consistent treatment of the short notes uh, and pretty good size there. Um, though one to the next were not exactly the same. But I think it was really good at overall. So um, a really strong performance here to start off the day, wouldn't you say, Andrew? Yeah, really strong. I, I think you were I, th I think you were pretty harsh on her. Uh, you know? yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but that's uh, that's okay. I dig that. Like I for once I can be good cop maybe today. That would be that would be cool. Oh, that's okay. You know, Carl is, you know, Carl's the mean instructor here at the dojo and I'm the nice one. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, we'll see after the next recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But Jennifer, really nice job there. Nevertheless. Who do we got next? Oops, not showing my screen. Hang on. There we go. We are queuing up the next recording here, and we have Give me a name. Sue. Give... Sue is the next uh, up here. Me root three and four, and then today's date. And there. Okay. I am ready when you are. Carl. All right, here comes the recording. <clears throat>
Sue. So really nice job there. I think there was so many positives about this. And this is exactly, exactly what you need to be practicing at this tempo. It's brilliant. There's so many good things there. Um, the last one that comes to mind was just um, your, your B. Terlewis. Bang on the beat, working to get their articulation there, coming through. Maybe not always consistently, but uh, one of them, it was the second to last one, was just sparkling. It was brilliant. Um, and so you're, you're clearly working on the right path here, and that's exciting, right? Okay, so yeah, there's some trouble that Andrew will speak on here, but man, you are, you are clearly thinking about this the right way and working uh, towards the right goals here. So great job there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it stinks, right? Like, like uh, in that, when you slow things down, it, it amplifies the length of time you have to perform. So like that recording was coming up on four minutes long. So like, that's a really long performance. And considering that you haven't been playing all that long, I mean, it's really, really impressive, right? Like you, you like last time, I don't think we even had a drone yet, did we? Maybe we did. I can't remember. But Sue, you're definitely rocking. I think, so. I think that was the first one with her drone. <clears throat> yeah, like, I mean, you just played for four minutes with a drone going. You know? And I don't, I don't think I heard any underblowing either. No, I mean, look, there's definitely big issues there. But, like, uh, I think the biggest issue would be not being able to do it. And you could do it. So that's pretty sweet. Okay. That tempo was very slow, but scale navigation was really not bad. There were definitely some crossing noise issues in there, but definitely not bad, not a major issue that uh, you need to focus specifically on, I think. Rhythmic accuracy, really nice job at that tempo. Definitely some issues throughout the performance, but conceptually you're hitting the beats. Uh, single grace note quality, I think you need to spend more time uh, on this. A lot of time you're playing thumb grace notes instead of a high G grace note. Or you're th either that or your thumb is slipping off the hole when you're trying to play grace notes, one or the other. Both of those are very, would be very bad to develop as habits. So we need to make sure we're always playing the correct grace note in the correct spot, particularly with high G grace notes. Sue, are you out there? Capiche? Got me? We must correct that issue and not let that become a habit because that's you know going to be a really hard thing to correct if if you get into that in the long run embellishment quality really really good just issues pertaining to the prerequisite fundamentals in there right like sometimes you're going early to the beat on an embellishment or uh, the grace notes aren't quite right as we mentioned or maybe there's a little scale navigation issue in there but i really appreciate how you're working hard at playing the discrete steps of each embellishment as accurately and evenly as possible. That's really good. Dot cut quality and consistency, yeah, uh, not really there yet. I can definitely tell at times you're working to maximize the contrast, but, and, but that's okay. Those prerequisite fundamentals, getting them better and better, that's a higher priority than beautifying the dynamic range of the tune at this moment. Soon in the future, that won't be so true because that's an important aspect of, you know, music making, obviously. Tonal quality, super not great. Uh, like tons of squeaks and squawks, right? Like um, you're over, yeah, yeah, you're overblowing that reed. Uh, the reed might be too easy for you now. 
Um, so you're overblowing it. We're hearing the gurgles and the squeaks and the squawks on a regular basis. Needless to say, that's a big tonal quality issue. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and then we've got big mental blowing issues going to the high hand notes. Uh, when you get to the high A, we hear the big surges. I don't think that's any surprise. Um, somebody says you need to hook into a manometer. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, or maybe not. Or you just maybe just need to continue to play and, and be vaguely aware that we want to work on steadying that out and getting to the point where there's no squeaks and squawks. Yeah. And then tuning really not bad. Before I forget, um, Carl, hold that thought. Before I forget, um, oh, did I already forget? Okay, when a read is easier, okay, when this is just general knowledge. When a read is easier, right, that means there's less cane on there. That's what makes it easier, right? The, the blades of the reed are less dense, so they vibrate a lot more freely. And that gives us the benefit of it taking less air to vibrate that reed. But there's major downsides to an easy reed, and that would be lack of stability. Okay, that's the big one. So the less cane there is, the more flimsy it is. So that means when you do accidentally overblow, we get wild, crazy, out of control sounds, AKA squeaks and squawks, right? So a harder read will, uh, it'll be harder to blow, but you're going to you know, reap the benefits of more stability. So a harder read will be more forgiving if you accidentally overblow because there's more cane on there, it's more stable, so it's not gonna squeak and squawk. So that's why it's important to graduate to the next level of hardness of your read when when you're physically operating the instrument well enough. Yeah, it's also like a game of percentages, right? The percentage change in pressure on an easy read versus a hard read, it's not the same at all, right? Absolutely. Read, that percentage change is going to be much smaller and therefore any changes that would be huge on a small on an easy read are going to be much less noticeable on that hard read. Yeah, there's, there's a sweet spot in there, right? Uh, yeah, and there's, yeah. there's a sweet spot place you want to be as far as how hard your read should be. Uh, usually when you start playing a read, so when you put a new read in, it should feel really hard. Like, it's going to feel like you're going to die on day one, right? And then on day two, it, it'll still really suck bad, right? And then day three it's gonna still really kind of stink. But like by the end of the first week, two things have probably happened. You've probably gotten a little bit stronger, right? So that helps just because you've been working on the hard read, but then reads break in. The fibers of, of the cane of the reed, you know, get flexible and they loosen up a little bit. And, uh, you know, then they vibrate a little bit more easily, a little bit more freely with a sweeter sound by the end of the week. So. If you put a new read in and it, everything's hunky-dory and you're jamming through full set, four-minute sets of tunes, uh, it's probably, it probably means the read is going to be too easy by the end of that first week. So you have to challenge yourself a little bit. Okay. That's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, the internal chat's getting kind of rowdy. I'm glad my... Uh... <clears throat> All righty. Well, there you go, Sue. Wonderful performance there. Nice job and big improvement. Thanks. I would not pay I would not pay to listen to this performance because it's played very slow and you know and, and you're still learning. But that's okay, right? Like 
you know what I mean? It, it, that was my way of saying it's not exciting to play that slow, but that's how you're getting better. And you, you, uh, you've done a great job proving that here for the masses because you get a lot better every single time we hear you. So good job. Definitely true. All right. So next up, are we ready for Roger? I'm always ready for Roger. That's, that's more of a rhetorical question because it's me who's got to fill out the form here yeah. quickly. <laughs> uh, the weather is clearing up nicely here in Troy, New York. You know? All right. You don't Take care. Of New York? Is it sunny there today? No, not at all. But it's not foggy anymore. Right. That's a start. Step yeah. up. All right, here comes Roger's third and fourth part of KSB. Um, nice job, Roger. Um, there are a lot of things about that performance that were good, but you know, but there were issues with most of them. Like the bagpipe sounded pretty good, but the drones weren't really locked in. Uh, I'd like to see you just get those drones locked before you start. If you can get your drones that close, you can get them quote unquote locked, right? So. So before you pr press record or before you say go, just take that little bit of extra time to finish the job there. Um, and the tune itself, right? There's a lot of missing technique in there. So there's a lot of grace notes that are missing from the performance that need to be in there, okay? And we need to finish, we need to finish the job. We can hear the tune, but it's not complete because a lot of the technique uh, wasn't being played, right? Uh, we had some scale navigation issues in there. All of those things need to be ironed out. <clears throat> um, Roger said he had a problem with his water trap blocking air and you almost passed out. So there you go. 
that explains a lot of those issues. Almost passing out. <laughs> uh, with that said, it's not an excuse. Uh, two things, if that's true, two things should happen for future performances. Number one is you don't let that happen again. You make sure your water trap stays in good shape and it's not constricted before uh, the performance starts. Um, and the other, and then on the flip side, even if something goes wrong out there, you have to be prepared uh, to still perform at your very best regardless, somehow. Don't ask me how you're doing that if you're about to pass out, but uh, yeah, I recommend option A. Well, it sort of gets down to the maintenance, right? That's something that could be, uh, could be avoided. So, um, absolutely. By a little preventative maintenance. So. Yeah. If something doesn't feel right, with your bagpipe. Like Roger, I'm guessing it didn't just suddenly twist the moment you press the record button. So something fishy was going on, right? Something fishy was going on before you press record. This is a real world lesson, right? Because something like this could happen leading up to a performance. Something fishy is going on. You need to stop everything you're doing as soon as anything feels less than 100% optimal and you need to go through the four questions again. All right. Now, in the case of the water trap, it's kind of weird because it doesn't pose an it doesn't oppose it doesn't pose an air tightness issue, so it's not on our usual list of things to check. But being able to blow air into the bagpipe efficiently, if you're feeling weird about that, you got to get to the bottom of that and sort that out for this reason. I think you could have performed better if this wasn't going on. I've heard you play better than this. Anyway, Carl, let's do the eval. All right, here we go. Let's keep so, this show on the road. The scale navigation was, uh, this was an overall very good performance. Um, Andrew already noted the, the tuning, the drones, just not quite as locked as they could have been. So watch out for that. You got docked a little bit there for that. Tonal issues, um, your, your blowing is somewhat linked to the note that you're playing. So on top hands, I'm hearing a little bit of sagginess. Um, again, maybe tied into the overall issue there of the blow pipe, of uh, the, the um, water trap. But you know, watch out for that anyway, because that could just be revealing an area that uh, you can improve on um, fairly easily. So um, scale navigation, there were some big, big crossing noises going into the second part. Um, and yeah, you were probably stressed, lacking air obviously there, and that tenses up your whole body. That's a natural byproduct, I think. Um, but something maybe we can also learn to work through, right? Um, Re-centering yourself, taking a nice deep breath, getting that oxygen your body needs, and being able to relax even though things aren't going exactly your way. So treat that as an opportunity when something weird like that happens also to try and address um, how your body reacts to that and how you react to, to things out of your control in the moment of the performance. Okay, um, other than that, embellishment quality was okay. I would love to hear a little bit more separation in things like the doublings. Um, Grace notes not 100% clear there um, and sometimes overlapping in, in the steps of the doublings there. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see. Rhythmic accuracy, pretty good. 
Keep working though on getting that G-Grace note really synced up with the click of the metronome every time and fusing in uh, those short notes. So there you go. Andrew, um, oh yeah, I guess there was one other thing I wanted to mention, the, the dot cut consistency. There's some things in here that you're completely rounding out. Um, so yeah. you gotta work on the, the basic structure just a little bit more there. Um, but uh, when you played good ASAP, they were good. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just not, you need to step away from that, the word, the letters ALAP and ASAP. Step away, right? When you play the second part of this tune and it sounds like this, da, da, dee, 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 da, dee, da, dee, da, da, right? You, like, forget all about theory. That's obviously not, that's obviously not what a 2-4 march should sound like. We have to have that swingy groove right, that jazzy feel, like like put any random subjective words you need to, you know that's not right. And and like sometimes we're so bogged down trying to figure out what we're doing fundamentally that we lose track of the fact that this needs to be swingy, this needs to be swingy and musical and good. Um, and, and you can get a lot closer just by trying to feel it, I think, in some cases. Uh, and the last, this second part was a good example of that. Um, I had another thought too, but I lost it. Uh, ah, what you think about it? Let us know. Oh, I mean, um, maybe if we have time at the end of class, I want to talk about the John McCain funeral piper. Is this a thing in France? It might not be a thing in France, um, but I want to come to this. I want to come to this guy's defense. He did not have a great performance. He was on national TV and he did not have a great performance. But uh, when later, if we have time, I want to come to his defense. Because people have been tearing him to shreds. You know? Okay. Well, in the meantime, Andrew, you're up with Beth. Beth is our next. I feel like I get Beth every week. I feel like I get Beth every week, which is, which is good for Beth. This is good for her. I, I... If you prefer, I can do Beth and you can do the next two. Oh, no. I don't mind. Just earns me an extra 20 bucks when Beth signs a kinder, nicer, gentler dojo on the, on the check and mails it to me. No, I'm doing this one. <laughs> Doesn't mean you get a check, though. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, of course, we're kidding. We don't actually accept bribes, everybody. Your score does not go up, no matter how much you pay us. Your score does go up if, uh, if it turns out to be true that nine of your band members are coming to the tuning clinic. Your score does go up a little bit. <gasps> uh, Let's hear it. Okay, here we go.
good. So Beth, yeah, they, your, your drones were really, really, really good there, and, and yes. good improvement there. Um, and you said, yeah, it felt like they disappeared into one another. Exactly. That's what they should sound like. You know, they sort of disappeared. <clears throat> I know. One solid unit. We talked about this, or we, we, we sort of uncovered this quite a bit at the tuning clinic, right? We're in there. We're tuning with, with like students, right? Uh, we're tuning with students like a lot and we're doing this and, and, and it's like, whoa, stop. What are you doing? You got them in tune and then you brought them out of tune again. Like, stop right there. That's it. And they're like, what do you mean? That's it. I don't hear anything. So many people said that. Like, what do you mean that's it? I, didn't, I can't hear anything. Yeah, that's the point. When you can't hear anything anymore, guess what that means? Um, and, and so, like, uh, reinforcing your point that uh, the drones were excellently in tune with each other there. Yeah, it's a huge improvement. Now, Beth, the, the, the challenge here, of course, um, is when once you get your drones so nicely in tune like that, you can hear much easily, much more, much more easily, the variances in blowing. And so what might have slid by last week when your drones weren't quite as well in tune might not slide by as much today because we can hear how good the drones are and then we can hear the blowing. Um, we can hear the blowing changes there. The what were the little mental blowing things maybe, like going up to the top hand, but... Um, you know, it, it, what, have, being really good in one category just gives you the opportunity or highlights um, areas where we need to keep working. So excellent progress there. Andrew, take it away. Uh, nice job. It really was nice. When we started doing the critiques earlier in the summer, we were working on a lot of classic 4-4 four, four marches. And we were able to get scores that were higher. But now that we're into this meat and potatoes style music, where the, the, the difficulty of the music is, is high, uh, you know, the scores aren't going to be as high. But I really think, Beth, this is one of your better performances. Right? Uh, uh, with that said, scale navigation, quite a few little catches here. Unwanted sounds in between note changes. Right? Like... Uh, I, do, I don't think the crossing noises were like rampant. It, it wasn't like severely offensive, but there were quite a few little catches there that we want to work on. Uh, rhythmic accuracy. This wasn't perhaps your best performance I've heard as far as the rhythm is concerned. A lot of stuff is coming in ahead of the beat. Um, single grace note quality. The, the size of your grace notes is very big and it gets in the way of the music, right? The grace notes are becoming so large that, that they're obscuring the, the full melody notes of the tune. Um, and then embellishment quality, I thought it was good. I think you're doing a great job playing the steps of the embellishments and stuff, but some of these prerequisite issues like the little catches and the scale navigation and the grace note size and stuff, that limits how good your embellishments can be. Uh, Beth says still, so we talk about grace note size a lot. So Beth, you're not really close yet. The grace notes are still very big. The grace notes must be a lot smaller in order to make room for the melody. Uh, dot cut quality and consistency. I really like the approach. Uh, we need smaller, crisper ASAP in general. And then I also think a lot of the rhythmic issues we were having with earliness kind of got in the way of how good those dot cuts can be. Like we need, 
we need to be hitting the beats in order to really be able to show the contrast. But you're, you're definitely on the right track with that. Tonal quality, usual demons, like big blowing issues in certain spots of the tune. Uh, but as we mentioned already, the tuning was vastly improved. So great job there. Uh, and that, sorry, if I scroll down, you can see final score there, 55.75. Uh, don't keep plugging away at it. With the grace note size, right? I think we need to, uh, I don't know. We need to take an aggressive approach and try to change your perspective on how you're approaching that. Because what you're doing right now is is uh, not close to what we need, unfortunately. Uh, you know, so to illustrate. However. Go ahead, Carl. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say a refocus might be really cool here because it might also address some of the other issues like the scale nav. If you start to, to really define your grace note, not just in size, but also its exact placement, that can really help clean up your rhythmic accuracy, your single version of quality, obviously, but also things like scale navigation. So there might be a, a good side to this also to, to refocus. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Just the, I don't think the mentality, I don't, I don't think the right mentality is it's like, oh, just got to keep practicing, right? Instead, you need to make those grace notes smaller and attack the issue and try to make significant changes there. There are two ways I can think of, only two ways physically to make grace notes smaller. What do you think the two ways are? I could be wrong, maybe there's more, but I can only think of two. Uh, number one is reducing the distance that the finger travels off the chanter, right? So right now, potentially, we didn't see a video, but right now, perhaps the grace notes are going way too high off the chanter, and the higher they go, the longer the grace note takes. So if we can reduce, uh, the distance the grace note goes off the chanter, that could shrink the size of the grace note, okay? So that's one thing you could explore. And then what's the other thing? Anybody? Carl? You following me? Uh, the only... I, I, would, I would say using your, your muscles to push that that's right. back down. And the, o the, only way, the only other thing I could think of that w could shrink a grace note and make it smaller and more articulate would be uh, tension, finger tension increasing the tension uh, in the muscle or, you know, uh, uh, or the snap or whatever that you use to play them, right? Uh, get some of these forearm muscles involved a little bit. Needless to say, gripping down, doing a death grip on the chanter is obviously not a solution. So, so it would have to be like a delicate exploration of like one or both of those two different ways you can make a grace note smaller, right? You know what I mean? Maybe the kindlier... I don't know about you, Andrew. Yeah, go ahead, Carl. I, I don't know about you, but I definitely think about it as like, I lift my finger and it's completely relaxed when I lift it, but I use that muscle to pop it back down, right? It's, a very, it's very one way, and that prevents that death grip, but helps get them faster, at least for me. I, that's yeah. what I think of it. I don't know. I, I think... I think everybody, not everybody, but I think there's a variety of different like muscular styles. Mm. Like when I watch, it's, it's interesting actually, you know, and I've, I felt this way playing in, in top level bands. I've sometimes felt that way and I think it could be almost related to this in that 
you don't want to watch the fingers of somebody who has a different muscular playing style than you because it's weird because they're using like different kinetics. For, for example, watching Stuart's fingers is difficult for me. He uses a different, Stuart Little, I'm referring to Stuart Little. And I'm just pontificating. This is like, please don't, this is not my thesis. Uh, it should not be written in any books or anything. Uh, but like, it just seems to me the way he plays kinetically, muscularly is different than me. Meanwhile, uh, I, when I played in SFU, Alan Bevan used to stand directly to Terry Lee's right. And uh, I always keep Terry in the corner of my eye, of course, but I found it extremely useful to watch Alan's fingers because in a way, probably not in all ways, but in, I, I, I feel like maybe that has something to do with it. Like we're, connect, we're approaching the, how we're playing kinetically different. Al, Alan is, of course, at least on the surface, seems to be, you know, he, he's definitely kind of on, on the high side of the tension. And I think he's using like, I don't know. I think he's, I think he's, you know, got a pretty good grip on the chanter. And then the grace note is just that, you know, uh, is just kind of like a rubber band effect. You know what I mean? But I don't feel that, I'm not sure that's the same way for somebody like Stuart. Like he seems to be neutral grip uh, and then just lifting and dropping almost. I don't know. But you have to find- Think about it. Two people could lift, um, you know, you could either play a high grace note faster, right? Your finger travels faster, or you lift it a little bit smaller, as you said either uh, earlier. But if you're watching somebody that does sort of the opposite of what you do, it could definitely be jarring. Yeah. Definitely. Exactly. And, and, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? Musically, it doesn't matter. I think a little bit of tension in the short run could definitely help sort of like uh, spur some smaller grace notes for you. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as those grace notes are infinitely small for lack of a better word, right? The, the grace notes are articulations that we use to articulate the melody notes. If they take too long in duration, they cloud the melody and make it unclear and sloppy, uh, sloppy sounding. It might not actually be sloppy other than the grace notes need to be smaller. Okay, that was a long spiel. So we have to stop talking about this and we have to move on. Yeah, we have up next, Ken. Uh, Sven, Sven says just, Sven says, Beth, just be faster uh, in the Facebook chat. Uh, and also, I'm currently working on this tune. Is there a downloadable file for this piece of music? Uh, there are quite a few. Uh, if you go to the RSPBA's website, uh, this is one of their prescribed tunes, and they offer the tune uh, free for download there. Uh, we also have our own internal settings that we use here at the dojo. So if you, were, you, know, if you sign up and were to become a member, of course, you'd have access to... I think Sven uh, is a member, and I think he emailed me today. Oh, is he? Uh, Sweet. I think I already emailed him the PDFs. So, Sven, check your email. Oh, there you go, Sven. Sven, just check your email, apparently. <laughs> there you go. All right, so here comes Ken and his version of KSB 3 and 4. Am I on, or am I supposed to do this, or is it you? Oh, it's you. It's me.
you can uh nice job bagpipe sounds pretty good we've got that that pretty significant <clears throat> raspy crawling sound on high a and high g which is i think caused by underblowing um and, and it's not you know it doesn't sound like you're underblowing everything just when you get to those notes you may have like a mental blowing habit there uh where you are underblowing and that's what causes that raspy sound and it's really you know a little bit of tingle in the sound of those notes is okay but that's pretty severe that's that's getting in the way of of the musicality and the sound of your instrument uh ken says he's really struggling with that so get a different read that's not so susceptible to that crow um uh because because that read definitely sounds susceptible to me and there are makes of reads where that severe crow is definitely something that can happen musically I, I like everything you're doing but it's ahead of the beat throughout so uh all you're ahead of almost every single click so we're not really controlling what we're doing rhythmically and uh and that gets in the way of a lot of the other musical things that we want to bring out specifically expression right the dots and the cuts and getting that cut and snap if if where the beat is is uh that much of a gray area it's hard to express it's hard to it's hard to bring things out it's hard to like show the importance of certain notes or passages or uh without that reference point so we need to develop a steadier more accurate groove there in order for the uh tune to kind of get to the next level it's a progression. I've and Ken, I've heard you, uh, I've I've heard you play wicked tight to the beat recently. Like so, you're making progress. I just this is uh, maybe you know something was causing your, you to take your eye off the ball here a little bit uh, on that particular aspect, and so it just kind of ended up uh, jumpy to the beat throughout. Right. Um... I think you covered all of my points there, Andrew, um, with with a few ex well, with few exceptions. Um, in terms of the drone, uh, the tuning, I thought the drones were pretty well locked there. Your D and your chanter is definitely a little sharp, so that might be playing into that yeah. blowing idea. Um, I, and and as Andrew said there, you know that high eight might just be even at the quote sweet spot of that read, the, the best maximum pressure it might be right on that limit with the crow. So it might be one of those things that's just better to, to get a new read that's less sensitive like that. Um, the, one other thing that might be causing underblowing, if it is that also, um, is that high G. It's pretty good in tune, but it's it's got that illusion of being a little bit sharp. And so we have this tendency to underblow a bit to, to compensate for that. When in reality, if you pushed a little bit harder there, that high G is going to fill out, and it's not actually going to be sharp. So there's two possibilities there that might be contributing to an overall underblowing. Um, but as, as we also said, it could just be sort of that reads not super stable on the top hand. So um, things to consider there. I thought your embellishments as a whole were pretty good. No, no big issues there. Um, scale nav, there were a few catches few wrong notes in there that fell in there but um yeah the biggest issue for me was also the the earliness to almost every little beat 
the G grace notes, the strikes, the doublings, Terry Lewis, everything. Just that little bit ahead. So I put down in, in your, your comments there, poise is the name of the game. Just need to take that deep breath, sync it up with the G grace note, and wait for it. You know, dare to be a tiny bit late once in a while. It's better to be yeah. occasionally late than it is to be consistently ahead. So there you go, Ken. Nice job, though, as a whole. I thought that was really um, strong performance in some areas for you. So nice job. It's good. <clears throat> it's good. We need to be aggressive uh, pertaining to the rhythmic accuracy and just like, you know, let's crush next week, Ken, with rhythmic accuracy. Just, just It's just time to nail it, you know? Same with this. Same with Beth. Like, I want to hear some small grace notes next week. So small that maybe you're missing a few because they're just you're so aggressively going for it. And we can we can back it off if it's if we overdo it, we can back it off. But like, make sure we come we don't come back three percent better next week. Go for a hundred percent better. Yes, Ken says, it's more prevalent on tunes I don't know that well. Amen. Absolutely. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of this, right? The purpose of this exercise is to keep us, to keep ourselves unfamiliar with the material so that we know the truth about our technique on a week-to-week -week basis. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's so true. It, it also happens to be... Technique, not this tune. It's something I learned from uh, doing CrossFit, actually. Like, that's one of the main tenets of how, you know, CrossFit is such a uh, successful, like, fitness regime is, is because you're constantly varying what you're doing and you're never, quote, unquote, comfortable with a workout. There's always, uh, <clears throat> there's always that, that lack of familiarity, so you can't just settle into the same old thing. Just, you know, because it's always moving around. And this is definitely like that, right? This is constantly varied repertoire. Uh, like that, and that really sort of forces us to be good at fundamentals. And then that helps us get better. Genius. Who thought of this? Who thought of all this stuff? My God. He needs a raise. <laughs> they call me uh, right, inside the dojo. They call me... Uh, Chief Dream Officer, you know what I mean? Head of the Dream Department, and then Carl does all the rest. Dream Department. <laughs> all right, Dream Department, dude, it's your turn. But they also say I'm mean, which is ridiculous. You've got E from up here. Twenty-five KOSB. Are you ready? His date. I'm ready. <clears throat> Hit me. All right, here we go.
from. So, um, nice, your, your head's in the right place there. You're working towards getting on the metronome. However, you fired your pipes up, and I don't know whether you didn't hear it, uh, but pretty much right from the beginning, the, the, the metronome fell into the background, and you played at your own tempo. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a little tro uh, problematic in, in your score this week, and not with the metronome there. However, um, if we sort of tuned out the metronome and tapped our foot along with what you're playing, it was pretty good. It's pretty good there. Not, uh, not perfect. Moments where you paused and, uh, and, and sort of let the technique get the best of you there. Um, but it's pretty good. As a whole, I think you want to go slower for sure. That'll help you give you, that'll give you the time to, to get onto the downbeat there. And then also, we've got notes that are disappearing here. ASAPs, the, our short notes, almost gone. Um, so we need, to, we need to approach this from a slower perspective. And maybe even a simplified perspective, right? Um, jump out of that third line that we give you and, and do the simplified version um, in order to give yourself more mental <coughs> to focus on hitting the fundamentals really well there. So clean note transitions, no crossing noises, staying on the click of that metronome, fusing those chi grace notes um, in with that click of the metronome, right? So um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I would start Ephraim. There's there's positives here, right? The, the bagpipe was pretty good. Yeah. That tone pretty good there. So, um, you know that that's that's a good aspect for you. You just with a tiny tweak here, you're gonna see a big improvement working on getting on the beat there, right? So, um, you gotta figure that out, right? It'll have a big effect. Yeah, we gotta get to the bottom of that and figure that out. Is he from here? He from I don't, he's not on the internal, so maybe he's on. Uh, on Facebook, but I don't see him for the moment. Ephraim will definitely be checking out the recording if he's not here. Um, and uh, yeah, we've definitely heard you play on the beat better than this. So you are capable of it. That is not at all the question. You just got to get yourself there. How many more recordings do we have today? Plenty. We have a lot more? I can tell you exactly how many we have. Uh, I just asking because I like. I don't, do we need to go into like super blitz mode or what? We got five more to do, and I do want to make it. I do want to make sure this show ends us uh, right at nine thirty, like on a regular basis, so it doesn't drone on and on and on. Okay, two things I want to say before we go into blitz mode. I forgot what one of them was, uh, but one of them was definitely. Hopefully, folks out in the universe. Um, why is the metronome so important to this process? Carl said something interesting, which is if you tune the metronome out and I just tap my foot to what you're playing, it's not that bad, okay? And that's true, and that's all well and good. But there's a big difference between what the audience perceives and what you're actually doing, okay? The metronome is there so that we can learn to have precise musical timing, okay? So we can learn to place things precisely where they need to be placed. That's, that's from your, that's for you, right? You need to have control over what you're playing. You, you know, if you're exactly the same amount early to the beat every single time, 
the audience will perceive that as being rhythmically accurate. But you're not rhythmically accurate, okay? That's why the metronome is so important. It gives us a target to shoot for, and it can give us, it can provide us feedback as to whether or not what we are intending to do is actually happening rhythmically. That's such a huge thing, right? How do you know if you have a crappy golf shot, right? <clears throat> you know your golf shot is crappy because the ball doesn't go anywhere near the hole. That's how you know your golf shot is crappy. If the hole wasn't there, we could hit a crappy shot, it could go somewhere, but because there's no reference point, the audience might think, wow, that was a great shot. But once the hole is there, it becomes abundantly clear what shots are great and what shots aren't. That's what the metronome does for us as musicians. It makes it abundantly clear whether or not our rhythm is actually as we intend it to be or not. That's why the metronome is so important. That's why Ephraim must get to the bottom of this and be able to produce uh, more accurate rhythms as he's playing. All the other fundamentals are like queued up. They're ready to go. They, now they need to be slotted into the rhythmic groove of the tune. Oh yeah, and the second thing I want to talk about is anybody can make a recording that is less distorted than that. So the recording quality there was very poor, okay? Um, what you need to do is take your smartphone and you need to muffle it. Smartphones are not designed to record bagpipes. So you take your smartphone, wrap it up in a couple of towels maybe, or maybe put it under like a nice uh, down pillow or something so that, uh, so that the microphone is muffled so it's not totally overloaded with the raw volume and richness of the pipes. That's step number one. He just needs a new producer. I agree with John here. He just needs a new producer. And then the second thing, right? And then the second thing you, you should do is take your muffled iPhone or whatever device you're using to record and place it where you would like to listen to yourself, okay? Do not place your recording device right underneath your chanter of your bagpipes. If that were you, would you, if you were listening to yourself, is that where you would wanna listen from? No, when you listen to bagpipes, you're six or so feet away, roughly at you know, the same height as the player, sort of halfway in between the drones and the chanter. Those are two principles of good recording. You don't need fancy recording devices uh, to make sure that uh, the, the microphone isn't completely overloaded. And if it is, you can take simple measures like wrapping it in a towel to muffle it and then put the recording device where you would like to listen to yourself. Okay? You also wouldn't put the recorder 100 feet away because you wouldn't like to listen to yourself 100 feet away. It would be super echoey. It would be bouncing off all the walls and you wouldn't be able to hear any detail. So, you know, six to 10 feet away from you, you put the recorder. Uh, and those are the two key principles. If you have a fancy recorder like me, I've got a Zoom recorder, uh, I, can set the, I can set the settings so it's not distorted. That's the first thing. And then, but then I still put the recorder in the right spot so it's not totally overloaded with chanter being blasted away. Got it? Okay, the remainder, of the, the remainder of the recordings are happening in blitz mode, Carl. We're not allowed to go on any tangents. And by we, I mean me. You have to hold my feet to the fire. Who's doing this one? I'm doing this one. Me. 
Good. Uh, really, really enjoyable musical performance. Okay, so let's break that down. The bagpipe sounded great, and the fingerwork sounded very good. Uh, almost all of the fundamentals could be sweetened up to be even better. So I think the bagpipe sounded really nicely in tune. I think you could get the drones even more tightly locked together. You could fix a couple of the intervals on the chanter to make the tuning better. Same goes for the blowing. Scale navigation was good, except for when it wasn't. There were a couple of crossing noises that crept in there. <clears throat> uh, rhythmic accuracy was very good, except for a few spots. Grace note quality, very good, except for a couple of little issues. Embellishment quality, definitely probably the most lacking, especially, uh, and Stuart's I'm sure tired of hearing this, but especially because of that Terre Lueth, that's just not, you're just not getting the steps to come out cleanly in that movement yet. It's just not happening. We worked on that yesterday, but uh, we gotta really dig into that because it's, it's a big uh, ear sore. It's kind of like an eye sore, but for the ear. It's a big ear sore of that. <laughs> All caps, Stuart says, still working on it. Uh, I respect that. Uh, ALAP ASAP was really good. There are some dot cut figures that are too round, that, that just kind of pop in randomly. But overall, in general, the dot cut feel was extremely good. And I could tell because I was really in the groove and enjoying the quote unquote expression of the tune. So that's a major plus sign. I, was, I think it was maybe Roger we were talking with earlier about how sometimes you just need to like not worry so much about the terminology and just try and get the tune to swing. And I feel like that's what Stu, Stu Paul does pretty darn good in general. Um, and definitely here, right? You know, it feels like a march to me, so that's good. Okay, Carl, points. Uh, I, I think you covered them all. I mean, I, I didn't pick up too much else out of there. Um, yeah, I, for my, my biggest thing was lots of little crossing noises, like A, D, F. That was that was my big um, sticking point in that performance, and I think you could work to clean that up just a little bit and and do that very easily. So, um, yeah, I think that's a bit harsh, Other but you know what Andrew said: work on those those little grace notes, a uh, little uh, little crossing noises. But in the interest of time, Stu, I'm not going to elaborate too much more. It's good. To get from 63 to 73 is a matter of uh, just ironing out some of the details. You know, I think that's the, I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah. The basis of most of those fundamentals is there really nicely. Now let's iron out the details as much as we can uh, in performance mode. <clears throat> okay, I'm on the next one, right? Yeah, and this is Amanda. Here we go.
Amanda. So nice job there. Huge improvement. We, we, we have a bagpipe there. Sorry, did you say something, Andrew? Uh, just a huge, huge improvement, right, from the first few times that we heard you play. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's not perfect. Um, I, I definitely, you said you played faster here, and I don't think you should, you know, keep that slow because you had the same sort of thing that, that Ephraim was struggling with there. It's pretty good on its own, but relative to the, the, the click of the metronome, you're quite off in many examples. That being said, you were actively trying to be on it. That was clear, right? Because you'd fall off a little bit and then you'd get back on it. So there's an active effort there. Keep pushing that, but going a slightly slower will help. Now, we don't have to go double time at the same tempo, but drop it back a little bit. Give yourself the time. Um, so that, that'll have a big improvement. The embellishments are not coming out here as clearly as we'd like. Work to get those steps every time you come to them. Again, that slower tempo will allow you to really think through and play each of the steps for our embellishments. Hearing those terlouas and doublings all coming out very, very cleanly. Andrew, sum it up here. Uh, so rhythmic accuracy is the big issue here. Everything else is coming along really nicely. Remember, Amanda is not, she hasn't been playing for 35 years in grade three, right? She's more on the beginner end of the spectrum making big strides. So, you know, there's some issues with some of these things, but the biggest thing that's not happening is the rhythm. We must be able to synchronize what we're playing to the basic groove of the tune. That's what the metronome does for us. It provides us with a very, very simple groove for us to play with, okay? So, Amanda, that you must take that seriously and get that rhythm sorted out. That's your mission. The other thing is this recording is too distorted. So it's hard to evaluate how the instrument sounds here. Uh, I think a new rule starting next week is the recordings have to not be distorted. I think I think we'll skip I think we'll skip recordings that are too distorted moving forward. You have fair warning. 6 days warning everybody. Uh cuz uh All right. we can do this. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to sound like the Beatles, although, you know, whatever. Uh, it doesn't have to sound like, it doesn't have to sound great. Refer to previous comments but you, distortion. But you have to be able to, you're, nice you're being mean right now. I want everybody to know you're being mean. Uh, but you I'm have to, cutting you off so you let, me, everybody. let me conclude. Nice let me conclude. I'm, I'll conclude by saying, we have to be able to hear your instrument clearly in order for your recording to qualify starting next week. All right. There, I stopped talking, and you weren't even you weren't even ready with the next phase. So.
Okay, good job. <clears throat> so this was a another good example of everything is going generally okay, but almost all of the fundamental categories have issues, right? So we heard some crossing noises, definitely kind of averaging a little bit ahead of the click, uh, not as accurate as we need to be yet. Grace note quality can be improved. Embellishment quality can be improved. a lot bass F can be improved. Tone quality can be improved. Tuning can be improved. Of all of those, what is the first thing that you should focus on? You gotta pick one and you gotta focus on it. I would focus on dialing in that rhythmic accuracy so that we're perfectly accurate to the click every single time. A lot of other finger work fundamental problems are going to dissipate once we are locked into the beat, okay? And then uh, from there, we can address some further issues uh, that we have. On the bagpipe side of things, it's pretty good. Uh, the tone, there's a lot of blowing problems that we need to eat, smooth out. And then the tuning was excellent, except you didn't quite get the bass drone in tune. Uh, the bass drone was out of phase with the tenors. So just, you know, food for thought. Overall, it was a pretty good performance. Carl, take it from here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the overall score there, and I think you're, you're maybe a little low. I might have been a little bit too harsh here on your heart. But, um, you know, I, I, I think the scale nav was one of the good positive points of this performance. You had really nice scale navigation here. And a few rolling crossing noises, but I think those were maybe just more note mistakes. So um, what you intended to do came out there really well with a few small exceptions. Um, so uh, ahead of the beat, generally we talked about that already. Um, for me, embellishment quality, I just want to elaborate a little bit there. Um, work on the steps of these embellishments mentally, right? Make sure that you know each step for each of the, the embellishments and where it falls relative to the beat. Like the strikes, just for an example here, the, the strikes there, you're putting the D grace note on the strike, or the C grace note rather there, instead of the G grace note. It makes a big difference in control there and will, will make a big, uh, big improvement if you can just work on getting those first steps of all those embellishments lined up right with the beat. But um, really good there, probably a little low scoring in the tonal and tuning category, so I apologize for that, but uh, take that with a grain of salt. And that was pretty good. You know, it was generally pleasing with the notes that Andrew mentioned before. Again, strong evidence of Carl's generally malevolent demeanor. One of these days, this joke is going to get old. No way. <laughs> it's been old. It's been old for years. I think it's been old for years. That's that's when I really shine. <laughs> Bringing back blasts from the past. I can I can withstand uncomfortable, awkward uh, situations much longer than average than the average person. <laughs> How are we doing? How many more do we got? Right. We got two more. We've got John. Uh, up next, and then there's one after that. I think it was Roberta. But anyway, here is John. Just Don't heart, heart says, thanks for the input. I'll take generally pleasing. Okay, but no. Right? We we uh, we're going beyond quote generally pleasing here. Uh, that you know we want to be we want to be uh, able to express 
ourselves musically. And in order to do that, we need to be able to produce better than generally pleasing. So don't be satisfied with that, even though you did do a good job. Okay, John. Uh, John uploaded an enormous file, so it's taking a moment. I don't know. Oh, you know what that alarm means? Since it's five minutes to go. It means five minute warning. You ever get the feeling, uh, you ever get the feeling John uh, uploaded his entire practice session and not just a segment? I don't know. Like, uh, it's still uploaded. Everyone else's is like. It's all right. Is the file big? Or, or is it? It says error converting. Hang on. That's why. Okay. Ah, no. Wow. Do that. <clears throat> Wow, this is, uh, this is great. This is a great finale to the show. <laughs> hey, folks, if somehow, if somehow you're still listening to this, uh, I'll take this opportunity to mention that we've recently made some huge upgrades to Dojo U. And if you go to dojouniversity.com, Carl, what the heck are you doing over here? Don't worry about it. Finish. I'm, I'm uh, it's coming. Head to Dojo U. Take our new free orientation course to see how everything works these days. Uh, you will be surprised to see how it all works if it's been a while since you've been at Dojo U. So this is the time of year to drill in. Obviously, we want you to join us in our quest to make the average Piper light years better. So if you take all, if you take all Pipers in the world and you average them, right, into one bagpiper, our goal is to bring that average way up. Uh, and we have hundreds of people uh, as part of that quest right now. We want you to be one of them too. So if some, for some reason you're still with us, that must mean, that must mean you like us. So this, is, this one goes out to you because uh, clearly it's not for the production value. All right, Andrew, we are going to skip John Stater's maybe a little corrupt file. Uh, but you're going to work with him tomorrow on that. Yeah, we have well, Roberta, so this will be our final recording for today. <clears throat> so you're up with Roberta. Little, John, little John, we'll do yours first thing tomorrow. Yeah, John, we're not forgetting about you. There's just a yeah, you copied this from Angus McCall, and so there's like a little copyright issue. So you know, we'll, we'll work it out for you tomorrow. What? Stop that. <laughs> was that a joke of some kind? It was a joke. Come on, like copyright issue. Come on, jeez. All right, here comes Roberta.
right, Roberta. So nice job there. Um, you, you said you threw out this read already. I mean, other than that really funky FIG thing that you did there, which sort of sounded like false fingering, well, the read was okay. I mean, it's definitely a little unstable. So on that note, um, it, it could warrant the, the the garbage treatment there. But um, definitely been was... definitely done. As soon as you hear that collapsing F, trash it, move on. Yeah. Um, so big my big takeaway there, and we'll see what Andrew comes up with here, was the the crossing noises sneaking in here. And I know that's something you are you are actively working on and improving on weekly, but lots of little catches in, in here. Um, and they're the lift drop kind. So um, you might need to mentally sort of shift over towards the more open, more phantom noise, uh, phantom crossing noise sort of land. Meaning, um, right, we have this sort of inverse relationship. If we close things down too much, we end up with lift drop crossing noises where we get that low hand sound, like between D and F, we get that little pop. On the other hand, if we open that up, we get the phantom crossing noise where both fingers are false fingering, right? You gotta find the middle ground there, but maybe you need to lean a little bit more towards that phantom. Andrew, we're over time, but wrap it up here. We're, do we're doing good though, we're doing real close. Uh, scale navigation, definitely like you had some catches and then some minor things in the beginning and then at the end, you had some real bona fide crossing noises. I, I love the crossing noise in the I'm done now phrase at the end. You did the hadi dum, but you had a lift drop crossing noises from C to E. That, that was funny. It was that like a, it might have been a passive aggressive like comedic thing. So uh, something to talk about. Thanks, thanks for that. Uh, rhythmic accuracy, excellent, really good. Sometimes you're not hitting the beat perfectly square on, but you are, you are definitive in your accuracy there, and that's really really good. A uh, single grace note quality, really good. I think I was going to write something along the lines of a couple of minor grace note sync errors popped in, whatever. But overall, grace note quality, really good. Embellishment quality, really good. Some minor cleanliness issues from time to time. Dockout quality and consistency, very good. Some minor consistency issues from time to time. Tonal quality, collapsing aft. Otherwise, the bagpipe sounds great. Okay, so you hear the steadiness of the intonation in there, which is great. Uh, but also the bagpipe just sounds great, doesn't it? It like makes you feel good. And that can't be discounted in the, in, you know, that's how you know your tonal quality is good. Uh, tuning on, tuning was awesome. Uh, and the tuning was awesome. Tuning could even maybe be more than a four, but I just don't want to give you more than a four because, you know, then you'll get, then you'll let it go to your head, I think. And we don't like just calling the evil dojo. And we, you know what? We just don't like people to get overconfident around the dojo. You know. Oh boy. Uh, I will not allow that in my classes. There will be nobody. There is no <laughs> cockiness allowed. No overinflated egos. Nobody like nobody running around like I'm the best. You know, none of that. I can't see Andrew's face on my side. Is he, does he have a straight face here? <clears throat> there will be no... Somebody watching on Facebook? Yeah, there will be no... Uh, false modesty. That's what we preach here at the dojo. Everyone should be falsely modest. 
on that note, it's 9.33, folks. We ran a little over time, but uh, I really enjoyed the broadcast today. I feel like I feel like it's starting to become like cohesive is never the right word around me, but you know what I mean. It's starting to become uh, like routine, smooth, like like we like like we meant to do it. So that's good. It's true. And, uh, uh, yeah, great job, everybody. Nice nice jobs with the recordings. I guess we have to heed Andrew's warning of the distortion for next week. So I just can't. It, it, it hurts my ears. Nice job as a whole this week. Good it hurts job. my ears. I know it hurts your ears. And, but more importantly, I can't hear. Like, I can't tell if your instrument's good or not. So I can't evaluate you if I can't hear your instrument. So it doesn't need to be the world's most perfect clean recording, but muffle that iPhone, put it in the right spot in the room so you get a good quality. Yeah? Yeah. And ask for a Zoom recorder for Christmas. Christmas is coming up. It is. Okay, I'm stopping the stream, guys. Thanks for tuning in.